This is Defenders TV Podcast, episode 166, about Luke Cage, season 2, episode 10, The Main Ingredient. Welcome back, fellow Defenders. This is Derek, one of your hosts of Defenders TV Podcast, and we're on episode 166 of our podcast, talking about Luke Cage, season 2, episode 10, The Main Ingredient. Hello there, fellow Defenders. I am one of your other hosts, John. Yes, it is the main event, the main ingredient, Mm -hmm. Defenders TV Podcast, where we are going to deep dive into our spoiler-filled review of episode 10 of Luke Cage. So, yes, fantastic we get to see the Rand. Yes. <laughs> Welcome back, Danny Rand. And unfortunately, as how these things always seem to work when we get to our main event of the series, unfortunately, Chris can't join us. So it is Gotham TV podcast returning uh, for <laughs> Defenders TV podcast, as myself and John also host Gotham TV podcast. But no, Chris, unfortunately, for this episode, I know he's absolutely kicking himself. Really hoping we're going to get a quick word from him about the episode. Hopefully we'll get it in in time for the release uh, on Friday for this one. Yes, hopefully, Chris, uh, you enjoyed it as much as I did because Mm -hmm. this was so good to see Danny Rand and Luke Cage come together in a Heroes for Hire type moment. There was rebalancing of chi. There was fists, there was fighting, there was bulletproofness, and there was patty cake, indeed. Oh, yes. Uh, Really, really cool to see them. Uh, And so we hope that, fellow defenders, you enjoyed this as much as we did. And, of course, if you want to subscribe, leave a review, rate us, uh, and please do uh, head on over to our website at DefendersTVPodcast.com and go to the subscribe section for any of your good or evil podcast catcher where you can listen to us. Uh, and of course, please remember that uh, if you love podcasts, we are also brought to you in part by Stitcher Premium and Wolverine the Long Night. Head on over to Stitcher.com forward slash premium and put in our promo code DEFENDERS where you can get all 10 episodes of Wolverine The Long Night, which is a Marvel-scripted podcast. It is open to all Defenders uh, till September of this year. And, of course, um, it stars Richard Armitage as Wolvie. And, of course, it's a great investigative podcast. Yeah, scripted podcast. So we definitely recommend that you check that out. Absolutely. Not just that as well. They do have an after show for Wolverine the Long Night as well, where they talk about it and interview some of the cast and interview the people behind the show, so you get that as well. And also, apparently, John, they have 79 live shows from Weird Al Yankovic <laughs> exclusively available <laughs> on Stitcher Premium as well. So you'll have loads and loads of content for your free month. <laughs> yes, absolutely. You get it for a month free. And of course, after that month, you can either maintain on Stitcher Premium or you can cancel. Uh, but of course, that first 30 days is absolutely free. If you plug on in 
our promo code DEFENDERS. Mm -hmm. But I think with that, let's get into this episode. Derek, what are some of the episode details? Sure, the episode was written by Akila Cooper. This is her fourth episode of Luke Cage so far, so very, very confident with the character of Luke. Uh, she also worked on American Horror Story, The 100, and Grimm, so lots of other TV shows that she'd worked on. I really like Akila Cooper. Great writer for this show. Yeah, American Horror Story. Gosh, that made me... A little nervy. Jump and scream most of the time. <laughs> yeah, but great. Absolutely loved it. Uh -huh. From the minds of Glee. Who would have thought? I know, I know. Excellent stuff. Ryan Murphy, fantastic yeah. uh, showrunner for many, many shows. This episode was directed by Andy Gallard. We talked about him loads before. Most recently, he did two episodes of The Punisher. Wonderful episodes. Kandahar and Crosshairs, really two really good episodes of that season. Uh, he also directed Bar the Big Boss, episode 12 of Iron Fist season one. I think that's the episode that we all absolutely loved of Iron Fist Season 1. I had the big battle in the park um, with Colin Wing versus Bakudo and Danny versus Davos as well. It was a really, really good episode. So you can see in his hands having an episode where you have Luke and Danny fighting together is a really, really good choice. Yeah, absolutely. Welcome back, Andy Goddard. And welcome back to telling the story of the immortal Iron Fist. This time... In Luke Cage Season 2, really good to see these two team up, and I think uh, really nicely done. Absolutely, and do you want to tell us what Akila Cooper and Andy Goddard gave us with your synopsis for this episode, John? Sure. Danny Rand drops by Pop's barber and insists on helping Luke Cage recenter his chi while they hunt for Bushmaster. Misty Knight pursues a traitor at the precinct as Nandy's absence from work raises her suspicions. As Nandi tries to leave the country, she is apprehended and brought to justice for her betrayal by Misty, who is offered promotion to captain of the Harlem Precinct. Meanwhile, Luke and Danny's investigation lead them to an abandoned warehouse following a tip-off from Turk Barrett. Danny and Luke discover that the warehouse is attempting to grow nightshade for John MacGyver's strength-imbuing potions. But as they fight their way through Bushmaster's men, he is nowhere to be found, and the trail goes cold. Elsewhere, a trail hots up, as Black Mariah, along with Shades, also search for Bushmaster, as she begins to reclaim her empire. Embracing her Stokes heritage with Anansi as hostage, she sends a message at Gwen's restaurant, as she murders everyone inside, and then burns Anansi alive. Oof, that's a brutal, brutal moment in this episode. Hard to watch, um, definitely. Absolutely, um, but I'll tell you what, um, I'm not lighting my Christmas pudding again uh, with alcohol. Well, definitely not with Bushmaster rum. That no, stuff exactly. must come with a warning. Is that why it's off the market? Is that why they make so little of it? <laughs> I presume so. so many people have burnt down their homes yeah. at Christmas using Bushmaster rum. I didn't Ooh. think alcohol burnt so ferociously. No, I'm not uh, sure it does outside of the Marvel Cinematic Universe. Probably not. But <laughs> yeah, don't think I'll be going back to the rum uh, too soon. No, no. But let's get on to our bullet point number one, because it's finally here. The day has arrived. We knew months and months ago that we would have a crossover episode with Danny Rand arriving in Luke Cage. And it's finally here. Unfortunately, it comes directly after the best episode of the season, which is almost impossible to beat. But this does a great job of trying, really does. Our bullet point number one, Danny pays a visit to Pops. Uh, we do st just starting out the episode, I have to say, it was a nice little touch that it's a couple of days after Bushmaster's escaped and you see Luke arriving home to Pops and just being completely put upon by the people of Harlem. Everybody from, you know, a girl who wants her boyfriend helped out to a brother who wants his little sister to start sleeping again because she's scared of a Bushmaster. And they're all putting pressure on Luke. And it just sets up where everybody is at the moment, just before Danny arrives into Pops. 
Yeah, and of course there is the running gag all the way through this that Bushmaster really whooped Luke's ass. Mm. Um and the reverse being the the truth. But yeah, it, a really nice gag all the way throughout. You can see Luke Cage becoming more and more frustrated with this idea that Bushmaster holds the upper hand in the minds of people in Harlem and he's out there to try and correct that a bit. And mm-hmm. um, yeah, I mean it was great that Danny drops by uh, into Pop's uh, barber's shop. And, you know, it was just a really nice uh, experience. I, I just really felt that these two kicked off where they uh, left off, really, from Defenders. Yeah. Um, yeah. And, and really had a nice chemistry together. Do you know, the other person I really liked in this, um, it's not to steal Danny Rand or Luke Cage's thunder, but I thought this moment uh, with D-Dub and his merchandise, uh, it was really good. Like, I loved that moment where Danny fires up his iron fist in the barber shop, mm. and you just see, like, the excitement on D-Dub's face, and you kind of like going, that's what we would all be like. I love all the merchandise. You know, he's got the Power Man t-shirt yes. on. There is the Sweet Christmas hoodie. Mm-hmm. And, of course, he does also say... Power Man and Iron Fist, wouldn't that be uh, a great combination? I'll have to get that put onto uh, a t-shirt as well. Really, really cool. Yeah. I must say, I really enjoyed his enthusiasm here, D-Dub, uh, in terms of what he was doing, how he was, you know, really just chatting with Danny Rand here, like just saying how sweet the immortal Iron Fist as a name is. Really, really this cool. This guy knows about branding. Yeah, yeah really exactly. Cool. <laughs> just... <laughs> So, so good. Absolutely. Just hitting D-dubs in exactly the, the kind of way that he talks. He knows exactly how to make yourself look cool. Um, I also loved his Sweet Sister t-shirt for the ladies. And then he pulls out the Power Man t-shirt. So Power Man is now another proper name for Luke. We've only heard it said a few times, about three times, I think, throughout the series, that Power Man is another name for Luke Cage. But DW's branded that stuff now. He's got it on the original comic book colored t-shirt he's got the yellow t-shirt with paraman written over the front of it it's one of his new designs so uh, we do see some great connections in here another great one we see later on in the episode is danny wearing the sweet christmas hoodie which is in green and yellow yep danny Rand's iron fist costume from the comic books as well so really good stuff it's nice to catch up with danny here um we've seen him obviously in his original series which was all about him coming to terms with the death of his parents and returning to new york to take on the hand we saw the growth of the character within uh within that season and then we saw him in uh in defenders he's a new character now he's gone through all of that stuff together he's beaten his greatest nemesis effectively and he's now showing that he's a much more relaxed character in this episode. What we hear from him is that he's no longer running the day-to-day of Rand Enterprise, which is something he was struggling quite a bit with during uh, the first season of Iron Fist. So he's in a new position. He's in a new place. Um, a couple of other nice little touches there. Yeah, and I, I think that is really shown where he just, you know, as I mentioned before, where he channels his chi uh, into his uh, glowing Iron Fist. And it just seems so easy. It just seems so natural. that There's none of this... Um, angst around it and and you know you even get luke cage saying you seem settled you know he he's at ease his chi is centered uh he's gone through so much and yet he is using stillness as power as he tries to persuade uh luke cage that it's just really 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 nice to see and um, mm-hmm. the growth of this character um from his season one 
into Defenders and now popping up as a cameo in Luke Cage. Uh, given how much expectation, at least people, I suppose, that love Luke Cage and Iron Fist in terms of Heroes for Hire, mm-hmm. Power Man and Iron Fist, who love all of that, it is just really nice to see two actors at ease with themselves, making that kind of chemistry that you expect so easy of these two beloved characters. So I, I thought it was really, really quite cool. I think the other thing as well, just coming back to DW and his interaction with Danny, again, that running joke of talking about Shaolau the dragon, mm-hmm. fighting him off at Kung Lun. And I love that D-Dub goes, you fought Bruce Lee. Um, (laughs) So, so good. Famously called the dragon uh, in Kung Fu circles. So nice little touch there from D-Dub. I love that nobody still believes that Danny actually fought a dragon. Do you think there's going to be a moment where he's going to have to film him fighting Shailau again on his phone so he can actually just show it to everybody in season two? (laughs) That's going to be the big moment of season two. Nobody believes that I fought this this undying dragon. So I'm going to actually share it. There's some great little touches in this episode for that. Uh, And yeah, D-Dub is just fantastic in these scenes it's a really good moment because we know that luke and danny know each other so having somebody external to them having these conversations with them kind of you know joking about the fact that the two of them are meditating to find their touch you know uh, wondering whether danny rand is able to read minds because of how he's able to see through what luke is throwing out there you know that kind of stuff i think it's a nice touch to have some comedy character in the background commenting on what they're doing but the meditation actually works it does get them to the point of being settled and be able to go to go through the clues they have available to them to find out where bushmaster might be well, it, it does. I mean, Luke is looking pretty sort of agitated <laughs> in the barber's chair. Uh-huh. Uh, Danny, serene as they come, meditating. I love the fact that, you know, Danny's uh, power comes from stillness. And of course, Luke goes, no, power comes from getting shit done. Yes. Uh, yeah. And of course, later on, we have Luke say that power is also money. Mm-hmm. Um, at least in Harlem, you know, where you've got cash, you've got bills, uh, people will generally certainly leave you alone or treat you very differently. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and we see it, that from Mariah. Mariah offers a drink to Danny after criticizing Luke yeah, when they exactly. arrive in. We see that people step back when they see Danny there because, hey, he's like the CEO of a huge corporation. You don't want to be sh- shooting him. You don't want to be caught for his murder. Um, but let's go on to the second point because most of this episode is all about Danny and Luke. So our bullet point number two is the heroes for hire finally battle it out. It's just, I don't know really where to start here because I just think it's so good. You know, they go to uh, Mother's Touch. You know, after the meditation, they, they realize that he must have been hurt. He had to recover. Um, he needed to seek help. Uh, they, they immediately think of his um, magical potions. They head to Mother's Touch. There's nothing there. And I mean, again, I love the interaction there with Danny talking about old Ming at the apothecary in Kung Lun, mm-hmm. uh, talking about these three principles of the body, the Lung, the Ukrapa, and the Badkan, uh, and just how, you know, we get a little bit of um, additional insight into what Nightshade does, which is the Badkan. He needs more, but it becomes less effective and that it poisons him. Yeah. You know, so we get confirmation here that, you know, this stuff is not doing Bushmaster any good whatsoever. You know, is it effectively killing him, turning him crazy? Who knows? And it's just really nice to have here Danny Rand, uh, you know, recollecting Conlon, his time there, but also then just 
recollection of the chronic the album that he had bought at tower records just before he had hopped on the flight uh were you know both his parents ultimately came out of that dead and mm-hmm. he finds himself in Kunlun. So a uh, really good reference to the, the two Do- Dr. Dre albums here, The Chronic and The Chronic 2001. Yes, because 2001 is the better album because that's the last one he bought before leaving for Kunlun. Yes. Um, yeah, but you see here that Danny is really confident in his abilities and that's something that's really important and something that wasn't really shown in the first season of Iron Fist. It's that he was the protector of Kunlun. He said it many, many times throughout that series, but he left... Kunlun as already being quite masterful in his fighting. And I like that we see this kind of playing out. We hear a little bit about his teachings, which we didn't hear a huge amount about before, but he's connecting it back to things that he knows about. I like that it also connects Luke as to what Nightshade is. Luke kind of goes, so it's like heroin, basically. It makes you, makes you strong and powerful, makes you think you can do things you wouldn't be able to do in real life. But the more you take of it, the worse you get. So that's Luke's connection for it as well. Yes. But ultimately, they head on over and meet an, an old uh, trawler of the streets here <laughs> in Turk Barrett, who seemingly has gone legit into in that he's opened up a head shop. Yes. Um, I, I love his reference to Madame Gao, you know, again, fur props. Uh, for me, I hopefully she is not dead. She did not get crushed by the whole of Midland Circle mm. falling on her. Yeah. But certainly, uh, Turk seems to have gone legit. They go to him to try and get some word as to uh, where Bushmaster is, where the Jamaicans have gone. Because, I mean, it is quite eerily silent from Bushmaster at this moment. You know, is he dead? Is he seriously um, injured and is down and out? But not even his right-hand man is around. So, I mean, uh, they are laying low, whatever they may be. Um, dare I say it? I do think they could be in Jamaica. But nonetheless, Turk Barrett for Luke and Danny is the person that can try and give them some leads to where Bushmaster is. And there's some hilarious moments in Turk Barrett's head shop as well. Absolutely. I love seeing Turk Barrett back. I think just even that choice that he is the owner of a head shop, which means he's gone legit. All that means is that they've legalized marijuana and now he's able to sell it for real. (laughs) So it's kind of not a huge jump for Turk, but I love the fact that he's making money hand over fist. It's his cousin's uh, store that was open before. He's opening up a branch of it in Harlem. So it's just a nice touch that he's gone into this business and now he's making even more money than he ever made in the past. And it's all completely legit. It's so cool to see him actually growing. You know, he was in the first episode of Daredevil. In fact, I think he was in the first uh, moment, the first opening scene of Daredevil as a very cruel character to begin with. So having him seeded out throughout these shows has been really good fun seeing it. So, uh, nice moments with, with Turk. Uh, but yes, this leads on to our big attack on the heroin warehouse, which is also producing nightshade or attempting to produce nightshade. So yeah, it's, it's a drug lab, uh, in a, a kind of an abandoned warehouse, which uh, Bushmaster has converted to trying to replicate the conditions in Jamaica for nightshade so that he can kind of have this endless supply uh, of nightshade. Mm-hmm. It's just such a good fight with Luke and Danny. You know, Danny smashes open the door. You've got that, that great thing with the, the wood flying everywhere, the smoke and just him with his, his, his yellow glowing hand Absolutely. with Luke as this Hulk kind of next to him really uh, it, it's just really so so good and I, I think for me 
and just them working together as a team, walking through this nightshade lab, dispatching all of Bushmaster's men until they have to tag team together and do the, the patty cake, uh, where effectively Danny using his iron fist punches Luke Cage in the palm of his hand, but this time he's ready. And this time the shockwave to, to take out all of Bushmaster's men who are kind of gradually surrounding them. That was so cool, wasn't it? It really did feel like finally we're seeing the unstoppable force meeting the immovable object, which is what Danny and Luke always have been called. That is their thing. You know, it's, it's, you can't break Luke's skin and nobody can stop the force of Danny's punch. But when you combine the two together, this is what happens. It really felt like something out of the Marvel computer games. They also took a really good X-Men moment, John, uh, in their fight as well. Something that we used to see with Colossus and Wolverine uh, in the past. It's effectively this move called the fastball special that was always done where uh, Colossus would pick up Wolverine and throw him across the room. We see that here with Luke Cage where he picks up Danny and throws him across the room at the last of these guys that are in the warehouse to, to beat them up. So a nice little uh, callback in the fight, I suppose, uh, but a really, really great moment. Also, just a quick touch as well that I liked when Danny punched down the door. The lighting right behind the door is the green lighting. So again, yes calling out Iron Fist. I think I'd written that down as Danny as a grenade to take out the RPG. The fastball special. Yes. Nice. Yeah, really cool. <laughs> uh, but it's just so good to see them working together and ultimately as well, Danny destroys what seems to be like, I don't know, the mother plant of Nightshade mm-hmm. that they have brought over from Jamaica and are trying to incubate in Jamaican soil under the right light to kind of replicate those conditions. Yes. And it's interesting that, you know, as soon as it moves out of that, it does wither and die. Um, it, so it's certainly not a hardy nightshade plant. Mm-hmm. Um, so who knows? Presumably that operation now, um, given that they burn it down at the end is done. Yes. So yeah. yeah, Bushmaster is not going to be pleased. I mean, we have the mention from someone else in Harlem that, well, Bushmaster is going to come for us now. And of course, he could also conceivably go for Luke and Danny, given that they have attacked his warehouse, destroyed his nightshade plants, and ultimately uh, destroyed the facility where Bushmaster is trying to create this supply of nightshade for his own purposes. Yeah. yeah, I think it's pretty clear when the scientist is talking that what he's saying to them is exactly what he said to Bushmaster. This can grow, we can create a crop from it, but it's going to take months. If you want to get anything else, you need to go back to Jamaica. You need to go back to the source of this plant and get some more from the source. So that's probably where we're going to see him next. We're probably going to see them gone. That's why they are disappeared from this entire episode. But yeah, I do love that Danny does a Bruce Wayne special in buying the facility before burning it down as well. So that moment where he kind of goes, yeah, money is pretty good, actually, sometimes. Um, I'm not going to complain. I own the place, so who cares? <laughs> a nice little, nice little touch, a nice little uh, Batman-like moment from Iron Fist. Yeah, I think moving on to bullet point three, mm-hmm. we have Nandi getting caught for her betrayal. Yeah, yeah. Um, really uh, interesting here because I think, you know, we really get a sense of why Nandi, you know, other than three million dollars uh, and taking the money, why she decided that she would um, effectively give up the location 
of Mariah Stokes, along with Misty, Luke, his father, and, and Tilda, to Bushmaster. Um, and I thought that was really interesting. Yeah, yeah, myself and Chris had this conversation on the last episode where we were talking about what, what was the justification for Nandy doing it. We do hear that she was interested in making the money. If that's something extra she could make, and if it was on the side, she'd take it, absolutely. But the real reason she's doing it is because she can't let Mariah away with killing Ridenair. She's the one that caused it, in Nandy's mind anyway. And she feels that nobody should be let away with that. Bushmaster is an honourable man. It kind of comes back to the conversation we had about Black Panther, where you can kind of empathise with his motives. He's not killing anybody that doesn't deserve to be killed in her mind. So therefore, why not let him loose on killing Mariah or take Mariah in. That's that's our job. We're police officers. So she is thinking or putting herself in the mind of the hero almost, but Misty certainly doesn't take it. That's not uh, not the way Misty sees the world. Misty does believe in taking things in steps in her new in her new role, in her new uh, her new way of doing things where she does believe there is a righteous way to do these things and Nandy has fallen completely by the wayside of that, especially by taking that three million dollars. That's not what a real police officer should be doing. Well, I think it's that and putting probably her life and the lives of others at risk, Mm -hmm. Um, you know, and the fact that ultimately with everything that goes down, um, they have lost the chance of Mariah's testimony. So, I mean, everything really has reset itself to square one. Um, they, they have to either arrest Mariah or arrest Bushmaster. Bushmaster is, you know, laying very, very low here. Given that we have Ben Donovan now back on Mariah's payroll, he's back with Mariah, then, you know, he has managed to get Mariah's cash back. You know, he, he has actually said that Piranha signed, did the transaction under duress. You can't do that, like I was thinking. Um, so ultimately, um, you know, Everything has reset itself. And I think, you know, it's really good that Nandy makes the point that she couldn't allow Mariah to get the deal to to go free, given mm-hmm. that they have all been geared up to try and take down Mariah. And um, it is just a shame that being a detective, she uses her credit card to get a Uber to a private airfield where <laughs> she is about to take off to go somewhere presumably with her $3 million, um, which was quite funny, to be honest, um, given that she walks in uh, pulling her her carry-on luggage as the police cars (laughs) rock on up, uh, and then she gets arrested. I mean, I think it was the weakest part of the episode, to be honest, that, but I do like what happens afterwards in terms of, you know, you get the rivalry between Misty and Nandy uh, as... um, college graduates uh, and you get that kind of uh, intenseness that kind of leaks to to Bailey as well you know Bailey and, Mar- and Misty were really uh, strong in season one and even here Bailey's at least is trying to give Nandy the benefit of the doubt and he goes you know you believed in scarf uh, which Misty low calls a, a low low blow but mm-hmm. you know so it, it really just show the shifting relationships within the precinct here between Bailey Misty Nandy and indeed the chief of police. Yeah, the, the interrogation scene itself was really good between Nandy and Misty. I love how Nandy's trying to put herself 
in the position of the hero, as I say, but is just tying herself in knots and Misty's having none of it. She's really trying to say how great she is and how wonderful she is. And she's always felt like she's in the shadow of Misty or that Misty got opportunities that she wasn't uh, deserving of. But Misty's having none of it. But Misty doesn't lose control. She steps away, says you're not worth it and steps away. But you are right. That scene in the airport is atrocious it's awful it just doesn't feel becoming of the episode it feels like something out of one of the cw dc shows it just seems really tacky especially that moment when misty says turn around i'll put the cuffs on you she turns around with eight other armed police officers pointing their gun at her and then turns to punch misty and run away and you're going this is ridiculous. She wouldn't, she wouldn't have tried that, but at so least it led, bad. but at least it led to a great interrogation scene. And it also led to, and again, I'm sorry Chris isn't here for this one because this is one he's wanted all season. We actually genuinely see Misty Knight get her promotion. We see that it's actually partly coming from her work at Midland Circle, which is the Defenders series where she's working alongside other people and putting her life before other people. We hear from her chief Priscilla that because of her work at Midland Circle, where she put her life before everybody else, that's where she lost, lost her arm, that this is the reason that she's going to now take control of this unit in Harlem. She doesn't actually say captain. She says you're going to be the leader of this unit. And part of the reason for this, even though there's no precedent in the past, she's jumping straight from detective to captain, effectively. The reason for this is because, well, they've got a bulletproof man running around Harlem proclaiming himself as the leader. They've got Mar- Mariah running around Harlem proclaiming herself as the queen. We we heard early on in the episode that nobody in Harlem trusts the police to actually get the job done. Yeah. Yet you've got Misty Knight. If you get her to lead this unit, perhaps the people of Harlem will start to trust in the police force yeah. again. It's this idea that, that times have changed, but I mean, ultimately as well, Priscilla sees in Misty that there is a determination by her to do the right thing mm-hmm. by Harlem, and that that coupled with her seeing these confidential reports of the events that went down at Midland Circle, that she should be rewarded for this. So this is a really nice moment. We don't see her actually accept it, but we're assuming that she has done and she will be the proud Mercedes of Harlem. (laughs) I love that she calls her Mercedes. I think that's great. I love any character that calls her by her real name, not just Misty Knight. You know, it's always good fun. You can tell there's a long-standing relationship with them. Whether they liked each other or not is is still to be decided, but I don't think they did. But this will probably mend some moments between them. John, let's get on to bullet point number four. Another returning character and set for Luke Cage. We're going back to Genghis Khan's. So good. Which last we saw was blown up by a rocket launcher in season one of Luke Cage. (laughs) Uh, Genghis Khan confirms she now has insurance, so Luke's able to do whatever he wants to in there. So it's all grand. (laughs) So, so good. I must say, I was sat watching... Uh, Luke and Danny in Genghis Khan is just wanting to get a Chinese takeaway or mm-hmm. go to a Chinese restaurant. For some reason, I really got hungry watching this. Um, <laughs> and uh, The food in Genghis Khan looks gorgeous. Yeah. It really does look nice. And I think as well, it's just the fact that you have these two guys. Um, you know, they came together over a dumpling in the Defenders. Mm-hmm. And here we have uh, them eating more food you know food feeds the soul we're talking about stillness we're talking about balance we're recentering and it's a really good moment for these two to be sat down sharing uh the chinese food uh really having 
a significant conversation about why actually Danny did pay a visit to Pops um, and to reconnect with Luke, to come along with him to hunt for Bushmaster. And, you know, we have these moments all the way through here. You know, Danny takes Luke out to Columbia University to a real high point, you know, just before they go to Turk. Uh, where he says, you know, you need to get up high, you need to um, regain your balance, you're off balance. Um, and, you know, all this is leading to the moment where he's actually trying to help Luke realize that he's become way too angry, way too annoyed. Mm-hmm. He's put blame on other people or he won't listen to other people. And that actually by just breathing, relaxing we we have that when they go into that room with the greenhouse with the nightshade where luke is about to punch the door down and danny kind of just pulls him back and so luke opens the door <laughs> like really really good it is okay yeah. a little on the nose but it, you know oh, that's it, a fun it, one no i like yeah, that it one. makes the point exactly yeah. and just before they go to to find turk they're at columbia effectively Danny takes a fight to to Luke to try and really show to him that because he's so agitated, he's so um angry, uh, his mind is on other stuff, he can't focus on the fight, he can't focus on what he needs to do to p- bring in Bushmaster, that ultimately he gets sent to the floor by Danny. And here uh, in Genghis Khanis, the reason for all these hints along the way is because of Claire Temple. That's right. Yeah, yeah. Claire is the one that sent Luke in because she's concerned for Luke, as we saw earlier on, as we mentioned earlier on in the series, that Claire has made the right decision to walk away from Luke the way he is now. He's an angry man who can't stop his anger. He's letting everything get to him. Then the stress of, of trying to take care of the streets of Harlem, he's using that as a justification for getting angry all the time. And what we see with Danny is he's going to give him some mechanisms to actually manage that. This is a great use of the Danny Rand character because he does feel like that Zen master, really, doesn't he? He has these moments just where he feels relaxed and totally in control. And he's probably not as in control as we believe, but he's exuding that so that Luke feels comfortable with him. And he's exuding that to show Luke the error of his ways and how he treated Claire or how he didn't mind himself around Claire. He's a very, very powerful man. What I also loved about Danny's treatment within this episode is he looks like a competent warrior in this episode. Yeah, definitely. We saw in the past where there's been moments up against the hand during Defenders and up against the other characters in Iron Fist season one, where if he didn't fire up that Iron Fist, he wouldn't win in the battle. In this episode, we actually only see him light up the Iron Fist twice, and only when he needed to. He wanted to show off a little bit in Pops to show off that he is a super-powered character to D-Dub, so he shows off his Iron Fist, and then the second time it's when he really needs it in the battle. But he never shies away from it. He never has a moment where he goes, I don't know how to do this, this is something that isn't coming to me right now, which happened many times in Iron Fist Season 1. What we see is just a more relaxed, centered, zen Danny Rand, and it's great and really does help Luke Cage out. But it is a great reveal that it is because Claire still wants to help Luke out and thinks that possibly Danny could be the source of that help, could be the person to effectively give him anger management training for superheroes. Absolutely. And I think, you know, Danny is trying to say, 
uh, and put it across to Luke, the same thing that Claire has done, the same thing that Misty has done, is that, you know, Luke is not alone. He doesn't mm-hmm. have to do this stuff alone, uh, that both Danny, Misty, Jessica, and Claire all have his back, if only he accepts them to help him out. Mm-hmm. And that's what he's trying to push Luke down uh, that path to, to recognize that he's got friends that will help him with what he needs to do. It's even that moment, you know, where Danny says, I'm downtown, you're uptown. Um, it's the same island uh, and we protect it. You know, Luke tries to make the point, well, it's still Harlem. And he's like, it doesn't matter. We protect um all of this island, you know, we're defending different neighborhoods, but, you know, we can team up and do that together. Mm -hmm. So, you know, this is a really nice moment, I think, in Genghis Khanis. uh, And it is just good to see these two coming together. Luke is still kind of concerned that, you know, what Danny really is starting to say is uh, a lot of that Matt Murdock shit about protecting this city, my city and all that. It's focused on Harlem for Luke, but nonetheless, Danny's trying to say, look, we work together. We defend this, this island of Manhattan. Exactly. And, and, and maybe that Matt Murdock shit is coming from the fact that possibly Danny Rand at this moment in time is standing in for Matt Murdock. Maybe, maybe. Who knows? We will find out in Iron Fist season two. Uh, but yeah, no, I do like that touch that he is saying we're defending different neighborhoods so he is confirming they are still the defenders maybe we won't get a season out of it in future but he is still going for the maybe we should team up in future so we could possibly get a little bit of luke cage over in iron fist season two and i would be all for that their interactions in this episode are just perfect they're absolutely great you could never ever have had them without going through Luke Cage season one, Iron Fist season one, and the Defenders to get them to this point where they both feel comfortable, to get them to this point where they've dealt with their demons. As I mentioned earlier on, Iron Fist in season one was going through something huge. He didn't want a best friend to tag along with to sort out the problem that he created, which was effectively leaving Kunlun alone and having it attacked and everybody inside killed. He did that. He has to deal with it. He got back to the Defenders and he became, he came out of the Defenders a winner. He came out as the one who defeated his greatest enemy. So he is only now able to be this center to Danny Rand. I'm sure he's going to go through loads of trials and tribulations in season two. That's what those shows are for. Otherwise, yeah. pretty boring just watching Danny Rand sitting cross-legged in uh, Colleen's dojo uh, for the 13 episodes. But I really like this version of him uh, being a kind of a guiding force for Luke Cage because as we've been talking about all season, all of his friends have gone now. Uh, there's not that many people around. The only person he's able to at least bounce a thought off of is DW, who's really just listening to the thoughts, looking for the next T-shirt idea, really. <laughs> but we do get a lovely moment to close out their scenes together, where Luke does ask Danny one last time, just since it's me and you sitting here, that dragon stuff, that's all a metaphor, isn't it? For something? <laughs> yeah, absolutely. <laughs> really good. Really moment. good. And Danny comes back with, you can accept that you're bulletproof. You can accept that I have a fist that glows, but you can't believe in dragons. Mm -hmm. So I think, as you said, I cannot wait till Danny um, in some way shows Luke Cage, Shao Lao in Shaolin or is it Kunlun because yeah I, I I love the fact that Luke Cage is like just not getting all the words he's not getting the names the references mm-hmm. he's calling Kunlun Shaolin and you know he's 
It's going, the dragon, what's the name? You know, it's Shao Lao and really, really good. I like this conversation a lot because, yeah, we, it, it is that thing that is unbelievable and it should be for, um, for Luke Cage, even though there's all this other stuff that's going on. Um, I just love that that is the thing that, um, Luke Cage just cannot get past. Yeah. I know you're a huge comic book fan, John, but I know there are also some really big comic book fans out there for Iron Fist and Luke Cage and Heroes for Hire. If any of you know, has there ever been an issue where Luke Cage was brought to Kunlun to meet Shao Lao? I'd love to know if there is some precedent for this, if they have actually had a moment where he's been brought to meet Shao Lao, because I don't, I don't know the issue. John, if you have it, you, you can tell me later. Yeah. Uh, hopefully get an issue that we can, we can uh, read of that happening. If not, maybe that will be something that we'll see a little tourist trip for Luke Cage out of Harlem to Kunlun. <laughs> but I think we need to get on to our final bullet point. Bullet point number five. Mariah takes the fight to Bushmaster. Wow, wow, wow. What a turn of events. I mean, just loved Mariah, Black Mariah, in this episode. Um, she absolutely takes the fight to Bushmaster. Um, she really embraces Black Mariah and she embraces Mariah Stokes. Um, you know, she has an Nancy. She is so dismissive of the Jamaicans, of Anansi, of Bushmaster. Um, she's dismissive of all their talk about the, the Maroons. Uh, she, she says, you, you didn't get your independence till 1965 or something like that. And then you were effectively a slave to the World Bank. Mm-hmm. All this kind of stuff. She really goes after Anansi. Anansi sees this darkness that is creeping in her that is matching, uh, Bushmasters. And he says, you deserve all the brimstone you're going to get, you know, to begin with Bushmaster being obsessed by Mariah Stokes. Uh, he felt sorry for her. Now he sees that they're two peas in a pod. Um, he talks that, you know, you go after someone, you, you go for that revenge. You need to dig two graves because ultimately it will lead to the death of yourself or destroying yourself. And she's like, two graves is not enough. You exactly. know, she is obsessed with getting revenge, uh, on Bushmaster sending that message and wow, I mean, does she send that message at Gwen's restaurant? And it's not only a Nancy that's have a major problem with how Mariah's acting here. We see it right from the start. We see that moment when you mentioned earlier on when Ben Donovan comes in and confirms that everything's back. She's got all of her money back. She's got her club back. She's the sole owner now again. Bushmaster's out of the whole situation. She's got it all back. And then she turns to Shades and tells him, we still don't have everything. We need the streets. We need to go after it all. And you can tell from that moment onward, Shades is back offside again with Mariah. He's gone cold on what she's looking at here. You know, it, he's been telling her from the start, all she needs to do is sell that painting that she had in her office. She could have afforded everything she wanted, still had everything and not been involved with Bushmaster. At this point, we're seeing she's got it all back again. And she's still not willing to take it all and walk away, to take it all and move into her position. She wants to go back to the dirty ass streets and get this thing done. She wants his head on a spike or on a platter is what she says. We have that other moment with Shade standing beside her when she's in her roost in Harlan's Paradise where she's saying, you know, there are moments when everything works together when you're ruling Harlem that it feels like you're ruling the world. And Shades is just really nervous. You can tell that he has that real nervousness. Yeah, he's unsettled mm. by effectively how far she goes to send that message. 
you're right. Even though he returns the gun to her that he took from the brownstone that we talked about a couple episodes ago, that he picked up the gun that's kind of the Stokes family heirloom. <laughs> if you have a family heirloom, that's a gun. It's really concerning. Um, but she, he finally does give that back to her, saying he can now trust her. There's still something about Shades that he feels off about this. And then they go to Gwen's. And some of her men start to fall out. We have Sugar, who's rejoined the crew. And as they're walking Nancy down the street in this really kind of gruesome parade walking to Gwen's, it's not like they all got in cars and got out and got over there. They're all marching down the street to Gwen's, carrying Nancy with them in the street. And Sugar, another person we've seen back from season one and into season two, he just walks away from the crew. He just goes, I'm out. This is not what I was signing on for. I was signing on as a bodyguard or as a helper. I'll do whatever she wants me to do. But this just seems wrong. And you can see that vibe is kind of going through the whole team. And as we say, Shades is having none of it when they get to Gwen's. Yeah, I mean, you know, they they both agree that they'll send a message. But how they send that message uh, between the two of them is really different. You know, mm. Shades massively unsettled, whereas, again, Mariah totally uncompromising here. All the punters are killed in Gwen's. Mm-hmm. Billy, who was spying for Bushmaster, you know, she just looks at Billy's square in the face and goes, it was you, how he knew how to get to me and were. She is shot in the head. Ingrid, the, the woman behind the bar, and Nancy's wife, mm-hmm. she is shot... Um, they're all shots and then to crown all of this off like the Christmas pudding that it is um, the rum is poured over Anansi, the Bushmaster rum and he is um, set on fire um, but I mean again you see the rage the obsession, the intensity of Mariah where he is just screaming and she goes why don't you just die as she uses her family heirloom to shoot him in the head you know this is sending a message and literally as they leave she goes we have bushmaster's attention now he will come for us yeah and like she has sent a message and it's brutal and it's tragic i mean anansi was great and yeah he has just been effectively taken off the board here uh, really brutal. In one of the most brutal ways. Yeah, yeah. really yeah. brutal. But it, it it matches with Mariah. You you know she she's been told by Shades that you know embrace your gangster. She has been humiliated. She has had everything taken away from her. She has had to you know go back to her most um shameful episode for her with her uncle Pete with Tilda. Like everything. Um, has come to the point where she's like, I will be this queen of Harlem and I will do whatever it takes. Yeah. Whether, whether, you know, come Tilda, Bushmaster, Shades, Luke Cage, I am going to grasp it and I'm going to make sure that I get my rightful place in Harlem and the, the revenge that she feels justified. So, I mean, this is not going to end well because I mean, this is proper brutality that Bushmaster as well will want to avenge. Yeah, absolutely. I definitely get the feeling that Shades didn't know what he was doing when he said, embrace your Mariah, embrace the streets, come back to this side, you're a gangster. I don't think he realized what that really meant until this moment. It's a really good shot as he looks at the burning body of Anansi with his shades off and we see the fire in his eyes. And you see a little tear in his eye again. You see that little moment where it's 
where maybe it's just because he's standing too close to the fire, but it does seem like he's realizing, uh-oh, this wasn't the plan we'd set up. You can tell they've planned this because the first thing that happens in the scene is as Mariah and her crew walk in, they go straight for the camera that clearly Shades noticed when he was in Gwen's last time and shoot the camera out straight away. And then they continue on with their plan. But yeah, as she goes back to Harlan's Paradise and takes down the Jamaican painting and replaces it with the Biggie Smalls painting. That's a huge message. As we saw earlier yeah. on in the season, she was so confident about having that painting of the two crowns, which was her and Shades. Now it's back to the Biggie Smalls painting, the Stokes King of Harlem painting, as it's Absolutely. kind of come to be known. And you get Mariah with the crown, both in reflection into the, the window in the roost, mm -hmm. but also then as the camera turns around, she's there with the crown um, that's on top of B.I.G., uh, on her as well so yeah. yes great bit of uh, scene setting and direction there saying that this woman is the queen of harlem mm -hmm. with that crown atop her head and there is no king standing beside her anymore not at all mm -hmm. uh, shades is really unsettled here yeah. really out of it definitely yeah I think that's it for our top five bullet points, John. I've got a couple of quick notes about the music in the episode. Excellent. Is that cool? Go ahead. Because this was kind of heavy on music and one huge big guest star in here. We have Faith Evans uh, performing on the stage of Harlem's Paradise. If you don't know, uh, the song that she's performing is NYC from her new album. Um, she's performing at Jada Kiss. But she was married to the Notorious B.I.G. back in 1994. That was the time that he was shot and killed. And just before she starts performing, we see that new painting of Biggie Smalls with the crayon on. We see that being replaced and put back up in Mariah's office. So a nice little touch there um, that she was so connected to, to B.I.G. Yeah. Another really nice connection is the actress who plays Nandy, Antonique Smith, uh, who plays Nandy in Luke Cage. She played Faith Evans in the movie of Biggie Smalls' Life, Notorious. Ah, so, excellent. Nice yeah, connection. really nice connections there. Yeah. And I just have another question, which kind of only fits in notes, because we haven't really mentioned it in the episode too much. My big question is, is Danny Rand a, a dope smoker, John? <laughs> Does he smoke a lot of weed? Because there are a couple of references <laughs> in there. I love that moment when they're standing in uh, Mother's Touch and Danny and Luke are chatting away. And Luke says to him, what would you know about the chronic meaning weed? And Danny goes, oh, well, you know, everybody's supposed to say they love chronic, the original album, which is Dr. Dre, obviously the album. But I much prefer chronic 2001. I know that's not a weed reference, but there's a better one later on when they're in the shop in the head shop in Turk Barrett's and Danny picks up the dragon um, and goes, oh, I'd love this. And Luke says, do you smoke, Danny? And you get no response off Danny at all. <laughs> it's because of hippie Danny. He has to smoke. <laughs> He's such oh, a hippie. Yeah. <laughs> but it relaxes. It gets you in tune with your senses and your chi. I would never do it because I've never done that for me. So uh, not a chance. Uh, I do like the touch that he's picking up a dragon as well, a dragon pipe, because um, that's much harder. The actual phrase uh, chasing the dragon is a term for taking very, very hard drugs. So I don't think he was going to be using this hash pipe as a crack pipe. Uh, hopefully not. Hopefully not. <laughs> he must be centered in his chi. He doesn't need drugs for that. So. But with all that talk of drugs, now that we are high on episode 10, the main ingredient, Derek, do you defend Luke Cage episode 10? 
I absolutely defend this episode. It was fantastic. Genuinely, the emotion of the previous episodes, how much was going on in episode nine, and we gave it all the highest of recommends, said it was our best episode of the season. This is as good for so many different reasons. There was so much other good stuff in here. Seeing Danny and Luke playing together on screen is so good. It really made you feel like how a season of a show could work with these two characters and Misty and obviously Colleen Wing as well and Claire Temple all in there in a season of a show. You could see them all working together and and Luke Cage has striven really hard to have its own voice and to have that managed alongside bringing in a character like Danny Rand who comes from a completely different world. It's something that they've, that they struggled for many years with in comic books. It's, a, it's something that was quite difficult to get these two sides together, but they worked us. Like the good writers on Paraman and Iron Fist, the good writers on Iron Fist who had Luke Cage appearing there, the good writers on Defenders did a great job of combining these two characters and making them seem realistic. This grounded character from Harlem, this other character from Kun Lun who's visiting New York to protect it. They work really well together for very good reasons and they're all plainly on show in this episode. Akila Cooper did a great job writing it. It was such a good, good time. Really enjoyed it. So high, high defend from me. John, do you defend this episode of Luke Cage, the main ingredient? I do defend this episode of Luke Cage. I give this five M's. Marley, marijuana, murder, Marley, marijuana, out of five. <laughs> um, I really do. I, I love this. I mean, to have these two together, Luke Cage, Danny Rand, fantastic. Heroes for Hire, working through a case, fighting together, uh, counselling one another, um, the jokes, love D-Dub, absolutely fantastic, hilarious like interchange as Danny is there in, in Pop's Barber. Yes, there's a little weak point, I think, with Nandy getting arrested at the airport, but it doesn't take away from everything of these two characters coming together. I love the absence of Bushmaster, where's he gone? How injured is he? What is Tilda doing to him? Uh, but seeing as well the psychotic growth in um, Black Mariah Stokes uh, coming to claim her crown through the debris and the collateral damage of Gwen's restaurant and everything that goes on there um, is scurry and fantastic uh, to see this. And, of course, for Misty to be crowned head of precinct or head of unit because of the work she's done mm-hmm. uh, in Harlem. Really good episode. I think really feels the the essence and soul of this um season along with the last episode as well uh great writing great acting great direction great everything i think here really really enjoyed it uh, so yes absolutely defend this episode of luke cage excellent and you mentioned something that we forgot to mention throughout the whole episode mariah does take her name back of stokes as well and really importantly really does. that dream that fantasy that was the dillard's is gone now. She is now Mariah Stokes and Mariah Stokes forevermore. Absolutely. And now let's reclaim feedback. (laughs) Uh, Remember, you can send in any feedback you wish to on any episode of Luke Cage Season 2. Obviously, the next one being Episode 11, but any uh, of the episodes of Luke Cage or indeed your thoughts on the season as a whole, you can send in voicemail through to our website at DefendersTVPodcast.com. Just click on the right-hand side tab or you can send us email through feedback at defenders 
tvpodcast.com. We are also on Facebook as well. Just head on over to facebook.com forward slash groups forward slash Defenders TV Podcast. Join our community, join the discussions, join the chit chat there on our Facebook group. And of course, please like our page as well. You're running out of a bit of time to get your feedback in, get them into us as soon as possible, because unfortunately it is July going into August. So that does mean holidays are coming up soon. So we're going to be recording our episodes a lot quicker than we normally do. We'll still be releasing them every Tuesday and Friday to get through them until the end of the season, but we may not be able to stick in late coming feedback. So get them into us as soon as you possibly can at feedback at defenderstvpodcast.com or over on our, on our group on Facebook, as John mentioned. Yes, our first bit of feedback comes in through Facebook and it is Rebecca who says, I need to watch it again, but they got so much right. And D-Dubs was hilarious. This was exactly how you take a character from the comic and keep his core, but change everything else about him. Thank you so much, Rebecca. Yeah, I mean, I don't know whether you're talking about D-Dubs there or it's Danny Rand. I think that's Danny. I think it probably <laughs> is Danny Rand. Um, but I thought Danny Rand seemed to be the chilled Zen master uh, who looks good in a fight and can whip out his iron fist whenever he wants to. <laughs> uh, it looked really, really good. And I just think it does show that evolution from season one of Iron Fist. I, I think it's really quite interesting that, you know, that first outing of Danny Rand and the immortal Iron Fist got an awful lot of flack. I still personally have a huge soft spot for it. I don't mm-hmm. think it was perfect by any stretch of the imagination. Maybe you could argue it's not what, say, if I had been the showrunner, of course I'm not, uh, would have done with that. But um, I do think that the development, the evolution of Danny Rand, of the Immortal Iron Fist, from season one through the Defenders into now Luke Cage, actually is really quite nicely done, uh, whether by design or by accident. Mm-hmm. I think it's really nicely done. Or course correction, of course. Um, yeah, <laughs> as it could be course correction, mm-hmm. indeed. Um, but I, I think it's been uh, really nice. And I, I think it also helps that three of the last four, the last five Marvel Netflix shows have had Danny Rand in it, well, either yeah. in large part because it was his own season or he was integral to the Defenders, or now with this cameo. Um, I, and indeed having Colleen Wing, that essence of the Iron Fist shows as well, I think has really helped to give that continuous feel to Danny Rand in this world. I think we've made that point that Jessica Jones and Luke Cage have had two years between their original shows. Mm-hmm. Danny Rand will have his second season out this winter. Um, well, we'll find out that this weekend at, uh, at San Diego Comic-Con when the show's going to come out. We're hopefully going to get a release date at San Diego Comic-Con. We know there's a panel with all the cast there, with the new showrunner there, hopefully going to be showing the first episode so we have an idea of what's going to be happening in in Iron Fist season two, but you're absolutely right, John. We did get him Iron Fist season one followed very quickly afterwards by Defenders. So the first show really where a character has had 20 episodes within one year. That's really what happened with Iron Fist. Then it was only with Jessica Jones and with the Punisher season one that we missed out on Danny, but he's back again. And made a great impression this episode. I love that you enjoyed it, Rebecca, because we absolutely loved it too. There's just a moment we didn't even mention where Danny has a moment with Luke where he gets him knocked out on the floor without throwing a punch at all. He just does a fantastic flip, swirl, twist, and 
Luke Cage is, is lying on the floor beside Danny Rand, showing the power that is the Iron Fist, showing the power that is a trained martial artist that doesn't need to use the Iron Fist. He's absolutely fantastic in this episode. Loved it. Doug Green also echoed the same sentiment, saying this is the best episode of the season for me. Absolutely, Doug. This episode, and I think for me, last episode as well, so, so good. Mm -hmm. Really connecting in with Harlem, Luke Cage uh, uh, as this character. Really, really good. And also over on Facebook, Tari says... As someone who had to push themselves to get through Iron Fist Season 1, I've got to say I really enjoyed seeing Danny in this episode. I'd watch a whole season of the Luke Cage and Danny Rand show. I'm still waiting to see if Shades or Mariah die this season. I just don't see them both making it to the end, and I'm pretty much Team Shades at this moment. Interesting. I completely agree with you that I'm not entirely sure that Shades or Mariah will both come out of this season alive. Mm. Um it would be a shame to see both of them go, uh, but I have to say, uh, Mariah for me, um, is probably going to die if, because she has been so obnoxious, especially what happens, uh, in, in Gwen's restaurant. I mean, mm -hmm. that is ripe for revenge killing all over it. Um, as well as a treatment of Tilda, you know, is Tilda going to come in with a sort of a crafty, uh, knife to the back? Who knows? Or will shades turn on her? Um, she really is not endearing herself to anyone in Harlem. And mm -hmm. I suspect even Misty and Luke, after they get wind of this, are going to go, what were we thinking? Trying to give her, um, a deal, uh, of immunity. You know, maybe Nandi is right here in that sense, given what she's turned into. Yeah. Um, so yeah, um, Shades, I think is unsettled and I think we'll see if he survives. Um, but I hope they both do. But at the same time, dramatically, if one of them gets taken out, I think it will be massive um, for for this season. Absolutely, absolutely. Thank you so much for all of the feedback over our Facebook group. And again, if you want to send us in any feedback before the end of the series, uh, send it to us at feedback at DefendersTVPodcast.com as email and over on our Facebook group at Facebook.com slash groups slash DefendersTVPodcast. You can also write a review for us on any good or evil bulletproof or bullet riddled podcast app by going over to your podcast app and going in and set, setting a review haven't got many reviews this season unfortunately the only review we've had was somebody telling us that chris needed to raise his mic levels which isn't really a review that's more of an email that you probably should send us isn't it <laughs> well it was excellent we have been able to tell chris to raise his mic levels yes by him not joining us for an episode <laughs> <laughs> sorry chris uh, chris will be back to back with us before the end of the season for the rest of the shows speaking of which we'll be back with our review of luke cage season two episode 11 the creator next tuesday and then on to our final two episodes the following week you excited, John? I certainly am. Um, I really hope Danny Rand is still in uh, the next episode as well. I suspect he will be trotting off to big hole in the mountain that used to be Kunlun to to cry himself off to sleep again. But um, I, I actually, really hope he's back in this season at some point. <laughs> I actually was expecting there was a moment where he was going to go my work here is done and then just disappear <laughs> off uh, walking down the street to the theme of the lonely man from uh, from incredible hulk um you know that kind of moment absolutely but it was fantastic to see finn jones in this episode really enjoyed it thank you so much fellow defenders for joining us yeah absolutely fellow defenders thank you so much for joining us as always it is a pleasure speaking with you i'm off to go and play patty cake uh, with derek <laughs> And once we've done that, we will be back to speak with you again next time. Bye. Bye. Bye.